Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Polygon Alpha podcast, where the Polygon community gathers insights from today's leaders in decentralized finance, Web3, and crypto. I'm your host, Justin Havens, aka Crypto Texan. Let's get started. On today's episode of Polygon Alpha, we are joined by John Poller, the founder of ETH Denver and Opolis. John, thanks for being here with us today. How's everything going? Going great. How are you, Justin? Or I should say Crypto Texan. Crypto Texan on Twitter, but I was anonymous for a while working for a DAO, uh, the Index Co-op DAO. And then oh. so I, I kind of maintained that brand on Twitter that I had there for a little bit. Yeah, I'm doxxed all over the place. So like I'm at Power John on Twitter. So like, <laughs> yeah. That's, pretty, that's a pretty easy one to remember. Um, but yeah, let's let's kind of start with your background. Opolis is a, is a really fascinating organization to me. But before we get into what Opolis is, uh, let's just get into like your background and how did you get into the crypto space, John? Ooh, so my background is in HR tech and employment systems. I've been in this space 20 years. I've been in, I've uh, founded some startups and been tinkering around with um, various different marketplaces, ideas, and the thesis has always been since 2005 um, to democratize employment. Now, I didn't know what I didn't know back then, but all the experiments, all of the fits and starts, all of the sort of pivots kind of led to one conclusion, and that is that we didn't have the tools or even the game design and coordination mechanisms to like really create democratized employment because the game design as it exists today, meaning corporate top-down employment, subjugated sort of permissioned employment, there's too many facets to it that actually create roadblocks and problems. I mean, from distribution of value to just, you know, policing things, smart contracts have a tendency to solve some of these things. So in any case, um, I was, I built the fifth largest staffing company in the state. Um, I was, you know, doing some startups and like experimenting with the Uber of economy back in 2012, 2013. One of my investors was big into Bitcoin, was talking to me about permissionless peer to peer, all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I don't have any idea what any of this means. And then I was randomly introduced to Dima Buterin, Vitalik's father, at an executive's retreat in January of 2014. So I became friends with him. We started, um, we created a sort of casual friendship and I was following, we were following each other on social media and he was posting all this stuff about Ethereum and the stuff that Vitalik was working on. So I got my hands on the white paper Still didn't understand it, but was like I was kind of intrigued by the idea of decentralization, and I didn't really, I didn't really understand like what the impetus of these things were, what the impact would be. I was still thinking about technology as like corporate efficiency, and then I had my red pill moment, where it's like it was early 2016, um, and I just like the light went on. It's kind of like waking up out of the matrix, and you're just like. You know, you're kind of looking at your hands and you're going, like, you know, you can't unsee it. And it was just a paradigm shift for me. So I started understanding that, that these are now tools that could create better games, essentially. So they're economic coordination tools, they're um, integrity tools, they're benevolence management tools. You know, these are all kind of economic terms and things that we've kind of learned to appreciate in our design of Opolis. But it just took time, you know, it took time to really understand it. And then, you know, it took me about 18 months to pivot out of everything else. So actually, after I had my red pill moment, I just decided I was out, you know, of the old stuff. But I had this startup and I had this business and I had all this stuff that I was just like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do to like, you know, so we had to we had to figure it out, and it wasn't it was a it was an interesting thing. But anyway, the net end of it was August 2017. We pivoted out, and Opolis um, was preceded with this idea of democratizing employment using Web3, but we didn't know how to productize yet. And we had a little bit of runway, and we spent time doing research on legal frameworks and economic models and all sorts of different the tokenomics all sorts of different things that we were kind of looking at 
Um, along the way, I met the you know Joe Lubin, who became an early supporter of the project. Um, he didn't. Um, we didn't ever become a mesh project, but we were what we called mesh friendly, um, and uh, we made friends with a bunch of people at the MakerDAO, uh, you know, foundation and in the ecosystem there, and then we you just kept building and building and building. Um, that's how I got in, and then in the fall of 2017. I founded ETH Denver. Uh, the idea was to build Colorado as the destination of choice in the U.S. for Web3 and, and uh, innovation development around Web3. And I'd say we've done a pretty good job so far on that. Um, you know, it's now the world's largest Web3 innovation festival, so we have a lot of fun with that. We had 13,000 people from 110 countries show up in Colorado this year, so it's by far the biggest build-a-thon event ever produced in Web3. So like we're expecting 25 to 35,000 this coming year. So like, yeah, buckle your seatbelt. It's kind of fun. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. And I think when I think of like cities in the United States that are pretty Web3 centric, Denver is definitely one of them. Miami and Austin are probably the other two that come to mind first. Brooklyn, if you want yeah, to count yeah, yeah. as a subset of New York, but I wouldn't count New York generally. I'd say Brooklyn's the exception. No, I wouldn't either. And it feels like San Francisco was just kind of withering away and every everyone's just kind of moving elsewhere. Yeah, I think San Francisco's got its own inherent issues outside of Web3. But I think Web3, from a Web3-centric standpoint, I think what San Francisco investors are realizing is they're investing globally now. They didn't used to do that much. You know, most of it was like, yeah, you had your office in San Francisco, you were building in San Francisco. It was very geocentric and now you look at their portfolios these companies are just remote first they're distributed and they're doing they're investing over zoom you know that never happened they're investing over zoom and then they're executing the investment contracts over smart contracts they're sending their usdc to a multi-sig wallet and you don't you don't need to be and that's i think this is yeah i think this is a really good point and topic is that you know you're talking a lot about you know web3 and smart contracts as like a human coordination tool mm -hmm. we talk about defi and the metaverse and nfts but i think when i was involved with the index co-op dow i think that was something that really was like a light switch moment for me i've had a lot of light switch light bulb moments uh, in my in my life in the web3 space but working for the index co-op was was definitely one in the sense that this was just a group of individuals spread all over the world that came together for a common purpose. And we didn't have a headquarters. There's no bank account. We would mm -hmm. say that our headquarters is on Ethereum. And we were all essentially just private contractors working for each other. And we would distribute funds to each other based on the work that we did. Uh, we've went through a lot of iterations on the hierarchy of how that DAO was structured. I do not, I'm not as involved with that DAO anymore as I used to be, but there were a lot of individuals in the U S that worked for that DAO who were using Opolis because, you know, when you are doing this private contract work for a DAO, which is, which is essentially what it is in my mind, you need to look for things like you know, healthcare benefits. Yeah, good luck if you're floating around independent. <laughs> and so th there were people who were using Opolis for, for a lot of these different things. And also like, ta I think you'll have like a tax uh, help as well as for like tax documents. So uh, maybe it'd be a good idea to just explain what is Opolis. Yeah, so my the culmination of all of my HR tech building experience led me to believe that there's some pretty fundamental systemic flaws in how employment works. First off, if you're working for somebody, which you notice you use that word exactly. I was working for a DAO. I would argue that you're working with a DAO. That's a good point. Yeah. Just old old habits die hard. Oh, I, I know. I mean, we're conditioned to think of employment as a, a, a permission sport. Like, you know, the DAO's going to give me permission to do my thing, right? Like parent-child relationship. It's paternalistic. So I've studied all these subjects, like the social anthropology of employment, um, human organizing systems around corporations, legal frameworks, economic game design, monetary policy. I've been a nerd of this stuff for 15 years. Okay, so in my original sort of epoch of like trying to throw technology at these problems, um, what I learned was this is not a technology problem. 
It's an organizing problem, and it's a relational problem. It's a social relational problem. And these are often defined by legal means, right? So the legal relationship of an employee to an employer is that the employer kind of gives you permission to do everything. Not kind of, they do. I mean, functionally, they can say, you're not employed here anymore, and then all of a sudden you lose all of your permissions, right? It's kind of like a bank telling you, no, you can't bank here, and then all of a sudden you don't have a bank account, right? So if an employer tells you you're gone, you lose your health care. You, you, don't, you don't lose the money in your retirement plans, but you don't get to put more money in there, and it's, it's, it's tied to that permission employment. So one of the core conclusions that we came out that was part of creating our thesis is like, look, we need a mechanism that's going to allow people to function in the real world like get basic stuff like healthcare insurance. Like I'm not trying to solve the giant problem that is healthcare like at its core. Like that's a whole other game design. Like it's a whole other industry. But the employment related side of this, how do you give people high quality, low cost healthcare insurance and make it tied to them? Not their their quote employer. Or or how do you make them their employer so they can actually employ themselves? How do we create this concept of self-sovereign employment. We talk about self-sovereign data, we talk about self-sovereign identity, we talk about lots of different things, but like why not self-sovereign employment? Employment is the core commercial activity that everybody does. It's the great enabler for actually realizing Web3. As boring as this stuff is, employment is the key to mass adoption. DAOs are the facilitator, but employment is the key. DAOs are the, the, the source of funds, right? We've got these new gener next generation organizations that have community you know, tokens, they have next generation governance mechanisms, coordination mechanisms, value distribution mechanisms that allow people to earn from anywhere in the world permissionlessly, but then how do we legitimize it? How do we actually plug it into the old world? And that's essentially what Opolis is. Opolis is Two things. For those working in Web3, it's a great legitimizer. You need healthcare insurance? Come to Opolis. You can get it. It's it's inexpensive and it's great care. It's super it's a member-owned community. It's an employment DAO with a legal wrapper. So like you become an owner and a member. So it's not some third-party corporation exploiting you and extracting a bunch of money from you. If this thing is profitable at scale, guess who benefits? You, right? And me and everybody else who's a member, right? So um, we're just reorganizing the, the typical services and, and expectations of employment, but we're putting it in the hands of the individual. So whether it's retirement plans or healthcare insurance or workman's comp or unemployment insurance or a W-2 or pay stubs or the things that you need to just live a normal life, like good luck you know, um, renting an apartment showing them your MetaMask for your proof of employment. Right or your proof of income. Good luck. You know, I wish you well, but they're not going to give it to you. Now you use Opolis and you get a pay stub twice a month. You get a W two at the end of the year. No one's subjugating you. No one's controlling your time. No one's telling you where to work from, with whom, any of that. You get to completely choose your own adventure. But you get to hand the person a W two and a pay stub and say, "Nope, I'm employed. Here you go." They don't ask. They, they don't care. They just want. They just check the boxes. How does the pay stub feature work? Like if I'm working for the Index Co-op DAO. If you're working with the Index Co-op DAO? Yes. Right. That's, okay. That's so the way we see it is the Index Co-op would be classified in the U.S. just for kicks. They would be classified as a general partnership. Okay. Now, I'm not here to talk about compliance or jurisdiction or any of that. I don't care. Okay. But it's, it's YOLOing. Let's say it's YOLOing in the Ether space. It lives in Ethereum, just like you said. It has no legal status, it has no EIN number, therefore it has no employment relationship with you whatsoever. You're an independent contributor, okay? Best practice is, how it would work with Opolis is you would wrap yourself in an LLC that elects S-Corp status at the federal level. Now, why? Because electing S-Corp status gives you the ability to actually create a bona fide employment relationship with yourself as the only employee of your said entity. So let's say it's Justin Havens or no, it's, it's Crypto Texan LLC. Okay, so Crypto Texan LLC is getting paid ten thousand USDC per month for your contribution. I'm just making up numbers. 
I'm not doxing you. I have no idea. I'm just, I promise everybody who's listening, I'm making this up. 10,000. that much. 10,000 USDC, whatever, just so I can do the math, okay? That 10,000 USDC comes to a wallet controlled by you that your um, entity owns, okay? So you would have those assets on your balance sheet is revenue, right? So those assets would equate to potential taxability at some point. But what you're going to do is your entity is actually going to have an employment relationship with yourself that's actually going to be then outsourced to Opolis through the Employment Commons LCA. So the legal entity that we use for this, the Employment DAO, is a Colorado cooperative that has an EIN number. And the EIN number that we that you then are going to be employed by is the same employment identification number that we use to procure healthcare insurance and to pay taxes and do all the other compliance activities that we do on your behalf. So then you're still employed by CryptoTex and LLC. No one's taking control of your operational day-to-day. You can work from where, with whom, and how much you choose. But the outsourcing or employer of record is happening through the Employment Commons LCA, which is the Opolis entity that does that. Okay. Now, functionally, you're getting a W-2 because you're being employed by that entity. You're getting a semi-monthly pay stub. You're getting your taxes withheld and paid on your behalf, all the compliance forms, 941s. Like everything that you've got to do to check the boxes for the regulators and the compliance folks, the alphabet soup folks, as we say, it's all being done. So you can just sit back and relax just like you're sitting in in a cube farm somewhere like you would normally do and just get a W-2 and a pay stub. It's the same thing, okay? So we're just, but we're disintermediating um, index from having to be the employer. Now, index is a coalition member, so they have interest. They don't want to be employers. Like most of DAOs that we work with, unless they've got you know investors or legal people whispering in their ear telling them that they you know business people need to do business things and you've got to provide healthcare insurance and employment and and contractor compliance solutions and all this mm. our our model actually eliminates the need for them to do any of that because the w2 is being handled taxes are being paid compliance is happening statutory compliance is happening everything's happening so then index can just pay you like you're a service provider just like a consulting firm of any stripe or a accounting firm or a, software development shop or anybody else did why why do they why do you need to be their employee they don't control all of your time and attention DAOs don't do that it's all statement of work anyways which is well suited for independent contractor work so then you don't lose any, you you're gaining a lot because you get access to the typical employment frame without having to give up your independence but index is also benefiting because they don't have to worry about that compliance now it's been offboarded to you, but instead of just dumping you in a lake with cement shoes on and hoping you swim, Opolis takes it on for you and throws you a life vest. Wow, this is fascinating. This makes this makes a lot of sense. There, there's a lot of legalese in here for those oh, who are it, not in, the, in the U.S. Um, yeah, this took. So we're talking a lot from the U.S. frame, but we are expanding internationally. So this is coming to Canada in January. So if you're in British Columbia or Ontario provinces. That's our Genesis cohort for Canada. So like, sign up. There's actually some huge bonuses and benefits that you'll get by being the, in the first 100 of the Genesis uh, cohort come January. So that's, that's a big deal. We're going to Puerto Rico quarter one and then we're gonna be expanding pretty much everywhere. The goal is within 24 months to be in 160 jurisdictions. The grand vision is a global public utility infrastructure for employment that allows individual contributors to work from where, with whom, and how much they choose fluidly accepting any currency in any jurisdiction and having the life and normalcy that they want that fits for that for what their choices are. It's completely permissionless employment on a global scale. And all that by wrapping your own person in a legal entity. That's right. Well, and you should be doing that anyways. I mean, best practice, if you're going to do business commercially for risk management or even tax optimization, S-Corps are great for this. Um, at minimum, having an LLC just to kind of separate the kind of business from from you. But, you know, I, I, I've become quite a fan of S-Corps in the U.S. for this particular reason, largely because 
if you're a high earner, you don't have to pay as much tax on payroll if you do it this way. There's like actually like real functional tax benefits to, to using an S-Corp, plus the employment feature, which is the currently the requirement that we have in the U.S. that you've got to have an elected s and LLC that's elected S-Corp. You can also use a C-Corp or a B-Corp um, or a not-for-profit 501c3, which is really just a C-Corp elected 501c3. So... Yeah, that's that's interesting. And so, do you have to be involved in Web three or working with a DAO to be part of Opolis, or is it is it any any independent contractor can join? Our thesis, from a social anthropology and a social futurism standpoint, so forget Web three for a second, okay? What are we going to be talking about in five or ten years? Are we going to be arguing over layer twos or what chain is the best gas or what zk fill in the blank is going to be the best? You know zero knowledge proof like are we going to really be talking about that because that equates to talking about https or tcpip like protocol level stuff at some point we're going to we're going to graduate to talking about you know commercial layer application experiential layer stuff opolis is an early example of this so we've built our entire project to be what we call normie friendly so we've abstracted away a lot of the crypto complexities from, you know, crypto native users who are like, well, is this even a crypto project? It is. And under the hood, there's a lot of really cool things that are going on. Like we use Magic Labs for authentication. We've got uh, Polygon wallets actually embedded that are native in the dashboard that we automatically default assign to people based on delegated proof of uh, or delegated private key management systems. So like there's all sorts of cool stuff that's going on, but we're not going to be, again, we're not going to be talking about this in five years. So we're not trying to build for a niche industry that's, you know, got to educate our way to mass adoption. Like, no, I can't educate people on how to manage a private key and expect the average real estate agent to want to do that. Like they're not going to do it. So like we've got to figure out better ways to like sort of Trojan horse it, abstract it away so that people will want to use it. So our whole product is fiat, is native default fiat. You can opt into all the crypto stuff if you want. But like if I just find a random, you know, Twitch streamer who just happens to want to join this because they've, they need healthcare and, and they think it's cool to be a part of this community owned thing. They don't have to know anything about crypto or the, the complexities of it to be able to join. Now, for those that are crypto native, you can come in and kind of opt into the degen world or whatever if you want. But like, we're not forcing people to do that. So we're, we see ourselves as a bridge product. So not only is it the great legitimizer for those already working in Web3, giving you normalcy and kind of a tether back to the real world, it's also a giant bridge. It's a giant portal for people to kind of walk into this world and over time be like, hey, maybe I should take some of my payroll in... in uh, Matic. Maybe I should take some of my payroll in uh, Ether or, you know, Bitcoin even. Like, I don't know. You know, whatever they want. But we're not here to prescribe what should, people should or shouldn't do. We're here to give people optionality, which is not what their employers are going to do. Their traditional employer corporate overlords are going to, like, limit it to whatever benefits them. Like, we're saying, like, this is a choose-your-own-adventure sport in the future, and we need to build this so anybody globally can use it who works independently. So there is a token associated with Opolis called the Work Token, and I'm wondering how that fits in uh, just to the overall infrastructure. So the Work Token, and I'll go on record as saying this, but the Community Token is the number one most important um coordination tool that's been invented in the Web3 tool set. My opinion. Um, I think above and beyond almost anything else that we've built, smart contracts included, all the community tokens are built on smart contracts, so like you can't have community tokens without smart contracts. But I think the function of the community token is the most impactful thing that we've built. And the reason for that is because we now have a coordination tool that can reinvent our economic games in a meaningful way. And economic games mean incentives, like how do we incentivize better behavior? One of the biggest challenges that we have in the corporate setting is uh, distribution of value. You know, how do you get a stock certificate for being an Uber driver? You don't, 
okay? Uber drivers built that community. It's not Uber. Uber's technology is not remarkable. They built a network effect because they built, you know, inertia of, of brand awareness and volume of transactions and network effect in terms of user base, but it's not really that durable. I mean, if there were a better option, why would I want to stick around at Uber if I could, like, drive for a, a community-owned version of that, like a, a driver DAO or something like that? Now, there's been early iterations and efforts around trying to de democratize ride-sharing. It's going to happen. It's just we haven't hit this sort of maturity level where we've got the entire picture covered. But back to the work token, the work token in terms of our community is how we reward contribution of value to the community. So it is by definition a patronage token, and that is a term that we coined. So this is a brand new category of token. It is issued out of a Colorado Limited Cooperative Association. Um, there is a securities registration exemption for cooperatives in the state of Colorado. And we use it as a rewards token. We basically, we don't sell it. You know, there's no reason for us to sell it. We've raised capital. We're raising capital. We're going to raise more capital, um, and we're going to we're going to get to a place of profitability. So here's how it works. Okay, so let's say I referred you to Opolis. Okay, now I'm already a member. So step one of this is I'm receiving work tokens every time the community hits 10% growth in aggregated payroll volume. So let's say it goes from 50 million to 55 million. That's going to trigger payroll mining. So payroll mining is the, the function that we also invented that is our inflation mechanism. So when we hit a 10% growth threshold in payroll volume, that triggers minting of 5 million new tokens. Those 5 million new tokens are distributed to the community based on three individual buckets. The first bucket is payroll consumption. So that's that first bucket that I talked about. So employee members are running their payroll, they're doing their thing. So we look at the total aggregated payroll volume between epochs, between the growth right of from 50 to 55, and the total percentage of payroll consumption that I own. So let's say I owned 1% of the total payroll volume for that particular epoch. I get 1% of 30%. So it's 1.5 million tokens. I get 1% of that, which means I get, what, 15,000 tokens. Okay? So, but let's say I also referred you. And you came in, and you're a member, and you've been here, and let's say I referred three other people, and I own 3% of that pool. So then 1.5 million tokens at 3% is 45 thousand tokens that I'm receiving just for referring you. So I have a long-term incentive. Now let's tie this back to the co-op. What is patronage? Patronage is the mechanism by which cooperatives ship value back to their membership. Dividends. So when we're profitable, we use the work token as the unit of account for our membership to determine how much of the profits you're entitled to. So let's say I, at, at, at scale, I own 1% of the total pool of the member-based tokens. So of all the members in the co-op, I own 1% of the tokens. Well, then I get 1% of the profits when that's declared. So we tie this back to actual economic value in terms of value that was contributed in the cooperative effort to the community, but we use this entirely next generation game design to make sure that everybody's incentives stay aligned. So then if you take a step back from the game design, what does this mean we want? What does this mean we're trying to incentivize? Well, I'm trying to get you to now refer your friends, right? Because you're seeing, wait, you got 45,000 tokens just for referring three people and you got 15,000 for your own consumption. That makes makes a lot more sense not only to, you know, take the low-hanging fruit and do mine, but I'm going to bring my friends too because like I want to I want to help build this thing. This thing is going to be really valuable to me and I'm, it's a service that I need. 
I'm saving 200 bucks a month on my healthcare insurance. You know, my kids got, you know, have the right doctors and everything's good. Like, I love this. I'm an owner. What's the downside? There really isn't any. I'm paying 1% of my compensation for this service as a community sustainability fee. That's it. There's no subscriptions. There's no bullshit legal contracts. You're an owner member. You can come and go whenever you want. But if you leave, you're going to lose your health care insurance. So there's not really a lot of incentive just to bounce. You know, it's very sticky. But the incentives are very aligned to create this sort of positive sum game mentality for the entire community. Even our investors want to make referrals because it earns them more of a stake in the community. Right? They can they got these big communities. They got you know, I mean think about Polygon as a community. It's freaking huge. Right? Why do you think we have a partnership brewing with Polygon? Why do you think? Because it makes sense for the Polygon community who also wants to be a destination of choice for DAOs and wants to build a big footprint globally and wants to be able to give people, you know, their access to their own features and functions. And, you know, I've, I mean, I've had conversations with Sandeep about this and he's like, this is fantastic. Like, this is going to enable people to, you know, to actually tether into the real world, make sure all the compliance is there so the alphabet soup folks and the regulators are happy. But it really does unbundle this sort of control mechanism that we know is employment. Yeah, and I like what you said there about tethering this to the real world, because I, I mean, I, I feel like when you're working with a DAO, when you're working in this space, it can sometimes feel like you're just like working in the metaverse. Oh, like it's an alternate reality. Like, I mean, 100 percent, dude. 100%. It comes time to pay your taxes, and yeah, that well, like, like oh, I said, this is, this is way more real than people, you know, like maybe joking. The, the Alphabet Soup guys, they're not gonna like settle for. Well, that's not real. It's in the metaverse, and it's like, no, it's an asset. It's declared. An asset by statute, see chapter and verse, and they're going to say you owe taxes. Okay, I don't make the rules on that. Okay, what we're doing is saying, you know, let's you know, look, don't hate the player, hate the game. If you don't like the game, build a better game, and that's what we're doing. We're building a better game, but we're also playing by the rules. We're creating legitimate legitimacy mechanisms. Now, there's a certain element of the crypto space that's very. Uh, you know, crypto anarchistic and, you know, anarchistic in general. And they're just like, you know, I'm not paying taxes, taxation is theft and all this. Philosophically, I don't disagree, but I also know that if I don't pay my taxes, I'm going to jail legitimately. Okay. And I'm doxxed. I'm out there. I want to live a normal life. My kids go to school. Like I, yeah, what am I going to do? Okay. I do think that this is also the gateway to larger change down the road. I think that you know having a decentralized employment framework that operates on a global scale that's community owned, not private equity owned, but community owned, and it's not a union in the traditional corruptible sense. It's not a government in a traditional corruptible sense. It's distributed, decentralized, and community owned. Holy shit! Like that's going to be that that could completely change the game. So yeah, you're right. It's it creates a level of normalcy around crypto that very few projects in the space have been able to achieve. Normalizes, it legitimizes and normalizes the metaverse, crypto, DeFi, NFTs, even degening to a certain extent, like because we can funnel it into a place where you can actually like pay your taxes and you see get healthcare and live your life that you want to live. You know, right. And I think if more people were aware of just the resources that are available, like Opolis, I think that we would see a lot more people doing this type of work in, in Web three. And I think you know, just just exactly, yeah. What like what are some of the just like some examples of the services and benefits that Opolis members have once they become, I guess, members of the organization. So I, rap I, I rapid fired a few of these earlier, but like um, the big ones are you're able to, um, you don't have to pay exchange fees to get your crypto to fiat. You're also not going to tip off, you know, you piss off your bank by using Opolis because we do it through paychecks and it's direct deposit. So they also know that taxes are being withheld before that money hits your, your bank account. So there's a, there's, you know, there's a we save a ton of money just on exchange fees. Number one. Uh, number two, 
Um, healthcare insurance. We're saving people. We're, we have, we're self-insured now. So the community is self-insured and we, we control everything. So we do this only on behalf of our members to make the best products that we can possibly make for individual contributors. We don't look at, you know, it's not virtue signaling. It's, try to, it's not cost management. It's not any, any of that garbage that typically happens in corporate settings. This is all about creating the best independent worker experience possible. So we're saving people 20 to 40% on their health care insurances compared to the state exchanges. It's better coverage. Most state exchange coverage is like state or jurisdiction centric. Like that's how they try to cut costs by limiting your provider network. Ours is national. So anywhere in, in, in we, we're even adding international coverage coming 2023. So like you travel, you nomad, whatever, you just have to have your address in the US. That's where you're domiciled. I mean, go get an address in Wyoming or Florida or Texas where there's no state income tax and then just go YOLO, go do what you want. And we got a ton of people doing that. Now they still pay their taxes. They still do all the things they need to do. But like, that's the point is we sort of help facilitate this legitimacy for doing the things that you want, okay? Um, so healthcare is a big one. Retirement plans, we have a variety of options. You can take a traditional 401k Vanguard, you know, safe harbor deal, or you can do a self-directed 401k. You can do crypto investing. You can self-custody your keys. You can do all sorts of stuff and have your retirement accounts managed through our products offerings. You can get a W-2 for income verification. You do get a W-2, not you can, you will get a W-2. You get a, uh, a semi-monthly pay stub for income verification. You get um, long-term, short-term disability access. You get other insurances access. You get workman's comp access. You get um, un unemployment insurance access. So all the things that you don't qualify typically just kind of doing your own thing you now get but you don't get it at the expense you don't you're not getting it in trade for your subjugation you're getting it and you don't give up your independence and you become an owner voice in 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 the in the in the commons right so you know it, it's it's everything you could possibly want so think about everything that you get as a traditional corporate employee from a fringe benefit standpoint, and that, that's what we offer. And we're gonna to continue to offer more and more stuff, even other procurement things outside of employment, like eventually we'll negotiate cell phone discounts and contracts, and we'll eventually negotiate, we've already got uh, discounted rates on zero accounting software. So like anybody who wants to use that for their accounting, they can use that at a huge discount and we'll add a bunch more. So there won't be just one option. There'll be many options, crypto friendly in addition, that just by proxy of being a member of Opolis, you'll get access to all of these tool sets in a very cost effective streamlined, streamlined way. Then why would you ever give up your membership? Right? So anything you could possibly want around employment, you get. And the, uh, the say that you have within the organization is that based on the amount of work token that you have like is there like a, a traditional DAO, i say traditional dow governance structure which sounds funny but is there like some sort of governance mechanism related to the work token so at 1000 members which should happen somewhere around the first of the year um, we're migrating to a hybrid model of community governance and a board of stewards the board of stewards is made up of members who are sort of like super users, right? It's the House and the Senate kind of situation. Um, we've decided to take a, de a progressive decentralization approach because some of the things that we're dealing with are not YOLO. You can't YOLO people's health care. You can't YOLO people's paychecks. We, there's a lot of regulatory stuff that comes down on this. So we've taken a, a very progressive approach to our decentralization. But when it comes to features, fee changes, all of this stuff, your base vote is one member, one vote, but the more tokens you earn, the more voting signal you have as an employee member. Now, currently, as it's slated, employee members will be the ones voting on everything. If you hold tokens as a coalition member, then you only have economic rights. So, and that's done specifically to avoid, you know, 
people who aren't consuming the product from coming in and doing things to the product that aren't good for the members, right? The idea is in a cooperative that you shouldn't be doing things that undermine your members wanting to be there, which is a lot of typical corporate game stuff like extractive models and things. So it's an entirely scale play. But yeah, you can. You, it's a quadratic voting system. That's at least what's being uh, discussed and voted on right now from the board. But you know, so the more tokens you have quadratically, you'll be able to vote those tokens based on feature changes, uh, fee changes, direct, you know, a, a jurisdiction expansions, like whatever we might happen to be doing. Um, you can vote on those things and have your voice heard. It seems like there might be like some separate organizations. Like, is there's the Employment Commons, and then there's Opolis. Like, can you just kind of explain like the legal structure? Yeah. So Opolis Inc. is is the trustee to the Commons. That that entity will be merged with the Commons here probably within the next year or less. Um, eventually, the trustee will be an in-house function. But when we first set this up, and you know the way investors invest before we had all of this sort of figured out. Um, we had to put their money somewhere and we had to give them some sort of securitized interest and that's what we did. So we had Opolis Inc. It's the trustee. It has a services contract with the Employment Commons LCA, which is the actual employment DAO um, legal wrapper. And eventually the employment DAO will buy or merge with the Opolis Inc. entity and that will become a wholly owned subsidiary. That's at least the plan at this, at this stage. Um, so... I'm still an, uh, an employee of the Employment Commons LCA. So I'm a member of the Commons just like anybody else. That was more of a, a legal design for specific risk management and investor handling, but eventually that's, that's all going to be merged into one entity. So there's no external conflicts. Call it the exit to community moment. When's that going to happen? Right? It's going to happen. Yeah, and this this probably leads into my next question. Was I'm just wondering, like, as you've been developing this organization and this co-op, like, what were some of the major hurdles that you faced, you know, with this very unique structure with unique individuals that you're trying to, I guess, take care of and target? Education's most of it. You know, when you're sitting in a cube farm getting a W two, you don't really understand compliance or employment regulatory law or you know, statutory law or ACA compliance or FLSA standards, like any of this stuff. You have no, you don't care. It doesn't matter. I get a W-2. Somebody else is doing that stuff. It's not my responsibility. But in the independent world, if you're going to take responsibility for, you know, it's just like taking responsibility of your private keys instead of having a bank. You know, now you got to take responsibility of the private keys of your employment, which essentially are the compliance functions that come along with it. And Opolis is here to help facilitate that. Now, it's just educating people to that. It can be a little scary. You know, it's a little overwhelming. It's like, well, even simple stuff like what state should I incorporate in can be a little bit of a, well, do I need to, does it need to be the state that I live in? Does it, can it be, you know, I've heard Wyoming. Should I use a Wyoming DAO? Should I use a Wyoming LLC? Why is Delaware better? What about Florida? What about hey, I live in California, you know, should I do this? Do I need to do this? Like, you know, it's overwhelming. So some people just go, ah, you know, I, I'll deal with it later. Okay, well, we're here to help with that. So like all those scary things, and there's no sales pitch really. Um, most of our, I would say most of our selling is just education, just really trying to get people the information they need so they can make good decisions for themselves and their families. Um, but once people get kind of, once the light bulb goes on, we talk about red pill moments, right? Once people get the red pill moment on Opolis, they're like, oh, so I could be contributing like three different DAOs on three different networks and get paid in native tokens on all of them. And I can remit those tokens directly instead of having to get fiat to pay my bill for employment. You can just send you the crypto, then you convert it all. Then I get a paycheck and then I can go rent an apartment. Yeah. I can get group health care, and then when I stop working for two out of these three DAOs, I don't lose my health care insurance? Whoa. Cool. I love this. This is Where's this been for 15 years? Right? These are the kind of things that we hear when you really get it, because it's not like, you know, people see it and they're like, well, how is this different from Deal or Gusto? And it's like, yeah, you don't get it then yet. Like, 
once you get that we're disintermediating corporate employer subjugators, and I'm not saying that derogatorily. I'm saying that's a legal structure. It's, it's mandated by the structure. We're just creating symmetry and alignment of incentives using the same compliance framework. But we're giving you the keys instead of giving somebody else the keys. Yeah, yeah that makes perfect sense. That you're red-pilling me over here, by the way. On Opolis. It doesn't I've take already, long, I've, man. I've already been kind of, I've already been, I've been aware of Opolis ever since I saw the work token pop up in like Mark Cuban's wallet. And I don't know if like someone sent that to him or if he was an investor at one point. Uh, he went, it, I, my understanding was, is he went and bought some work tokens. So he started following us on Twitter um, about a year ago. And he only follows like 1,500 people or something. So like when he follows you, you know, he, it, it's kind of one of those social signals that people pay attention to. And we were like, it, it got brought to my attention. And so I started a conversation with Mark uh, about a year ago in, in, uh, in Twitter. And we were just chatting in DMs. And it was like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, what you guys are building is great. I love this. And, you know, try to get him to come to East Denver 2022. But he had a spring break conflict with his daughter. So, like, we'll see if we can get him this coming installation. But... Yeah, I mean, I think why, if I were to guess, and I don't really know exact, I didn't spend enough time with Mark to know exactly like what his reason for it is, but crypto is desperate for real world use cases. And I don't think DeFi and NFTs are real world use cases. What they are is they're crypto world metaverse use cases that happen to be appealing to lots more people in Web2 than like other super protocol nerd level stuff is, right? So it just happens to be more appealing. But what I'm talking about is the cryptoification of things we already do. Things that people need to do already. Employment is the most broadly you know, used function in the world when it comes to commercial experience. Payroll. So if we can create a system, a game, a protocol, a public utility that incentivizes people to do something they already need to do, but the outcomes, the design, the incentives are just much more aligned for sustainability and positive some regenerative outcomes. Watch out, world, because like then when you get network effects kicking in on that, these are things that Gusto and Deal can't say because they don't have a regenerative component to any of this. The stakeholders, shareholders in those firms are not the users, and they never will be. So unless you include people in the financial upside, what incentives do they have to help you build it? What, the $10 spiff you get for referring another driver to the Lyft platform? That's a one and done, man. Maybe I do it, but I'm not going to be that engaged. It's not going to socially change the fabric of my life. It's not going to really move the needle economically, this type of model has the potential to, to change the entire game of regenerative capitalism in a way that makes it very tangible for people. Whereas a lot of this, you know, the NFT stuff just goes over most people's heads. I mean, I get it, but I'm down a rabbit hole, man. We're not, we shouldn't be building for me or the, you know, the DeFi, you know, crowd like i've done my share of DeFi. i've got plenty of dgen d5 friends but that's not what's going to take things mainstream so i think the real inflection point happens when we find these use cases that people can just tap into and use and go oh wait that's crypto i didn't even know that and then boom it's over it's going to be a slow and steady and then all at once yeah. And we are unfortunately like starting to run up on time a little bit, but I just want to make sure that, that we touch on all the topics that, that we want to touch on. Um, and like, what, what else do you want to make sure that we touch on that maybe we haven't had a chance to address? Well, quite yet? anybody, so I'll just say this to your community, anybody who's evaluating um, your insurance options for 2023 needs to be looking at Opolis now. So even if you don't join until January one, um, I would do it. I would take a look and we're saving people, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, 20 to 40% off the state exchange rates and it's way better coverage. So there's no games, there's no garbage, there's no sales techniques. We're not trying to get anything from you. We're not trying to, we're trying to offer you a better path to live your best life. Okay. So come check it out. 
Refer your friends when you do it. Even if you're not in the market for it, come be a coalition member if you're well-networked, and then just refer your friends. Uh, we have a, a new program called Friends Farming that's coming out. Um, it's actually going to be out like next week. And for each referral that shows up to a qualified membership meeting, you get 100 bucks, 100 USDC. And if they join, you get $200, 200 USDC more. Plus, you get the work token rewards as we hit our payroll mining goals. So it's like a double, triple thing. So if, if, you got, if you're well-networked, you got friends working independently, they haven't heard of Opolis, just steer them our direction. If you're super bullish about it, we can even include you in our ambassador program and get you a landing page if you want something like that. But like, the point is, is we're trying to incentivize our community to build the community. We are a community of communities that builds through community. It sounds a little cliche, but it's functionally what we're doing. So that's a big one. Uh, if you've got friends in Canada, we're going live in January. There's some huge incentives for the first 100, so there's that. And then don't forget to come to Eat Denver and get our super awesome swag. We got some new uh, limited edition print t-shirts that are coming out. This is the first one that we have. This is called the Magnumopolis. So it's a play on the Magnum Opus. Softest t-shirt you'll ever wear. I've got like 20 of them, and it's pretty much all I wear, um, aside from other Eat Denver swag that I've got that's all printed on the same t-shirts. Um, similar stock at least, different colors, but like um, same manufacturing. And uh, Eat Denver is February 24th through March 5th. We're expecting 25 to 35,000 people from over 100 countries. It's going to be fantastic. So if you were upset about the long lines and the sh shitty bathrooms, excuse the pun, um, the cold, cramped spaces, like because of our limited size and space, we outgrew our old venue. We're moving to a venue space now that can hold up to 60,000 people. So it's not going to be cramped. There's not going to be long lines. It's going to blow your mind when you see the things that we're doing this year. So I would not miss that. It is going to be the absolute Super Bowl of crypto. Denver, February 24th through March 5th. And I'll probably be there. I haven't been to East Denver yet, but I've always planned on going. You're and in Texas and you haven't come? I've been to Denver plenty of times. East Denver, not quite yet. All right, man. Well, when you come, you have my invitation to my private tequila lounge. We'll have a little sipperoo. That sounds great. But, and being from Texas, I do love tequila. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been very insightful and very interesting. So if you are working in Web3, go check out Opolis. And if you're in the area, well, if you're just in anywhere in the world, go check out East Denver. That's talking to everybody. So, um, John, let's just one final thing. Where can people go to find out more about you, Opolis, and East Denver? Yeah, so uh, you can come to Discord. Um, you can find our – we'll make sure that the, uh, the Opolis Discord link is linked into the podcast so that way you've got it. Uh, but you can also find our Discord in our Twitter profile, which is at Opolis, O-P-O-L-I-S. You can find me on Twitter most easily at PallerJohn, P-A-L-L-E-R-J-O-H-N. And um, most of the conversation is happening in those two channels. We do have Telegram, but mostly we're kind of funneling you to Discord, trying to get you know somewhat of a concentrated signal of discussion going because it's really hard to manage communities in all these disparate places that are going on. But yeah, Opolis on Twitter, and then uh, come to our Discord. Come hang out. we got a lot of... Um, information to share and we can help you get oriented if you're not sure where to start thanks again john for those of you who are watching on polygon tv on youtube thank you for watching if you're listening on apple or spotify thanks for listening and give us a follow subscribe and we will catch you all next time on the polygon alpha podcast thanks again john